Hello, and welcome to In the Odd, a behind-the-scenes look at the Michigan State University Department of Theater's productions and special projects. I am your host, Abby Taikaki. MSU's Department of Theater strives to train future practitioners of the performing arts to challenge and redefine traditional theater as an artistic response to an ever-changing world. This podcast serves to amplify the work being done to fulfill that mission. I am joined today by three members of the creative team from the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Audio Anthology Project, led by faculty coordinator Derek McNish. You can find the full anthology now for free at theater.msu.edu forward slash DEI underscore audio, and I'll let them introduce themselves. Hello, everyone. My name is Sam Carter, she, her, hers. I am a senior BFA acting major, and my minors are dance, musical theater, and arts and cultural management. And for this process, uh, for this project, if you will, um, I served as the assistant director to Derek McNish. I also acted in the project and wrote one of the scripts. Hello, my name is Mary Claire Zowell, um, she, her, hers. I am a sophomore. My major is English with a concentration in creative writing and minors in musical theater and film studies. Uh, for this project, I was a actress, a writer, and a director. Hello, my name is Neil Monte Alexander. I am a senior. Uh, my majors are, well, I'm a dual fine arts candidate and apparel and textile design as well as acting. And for this project, I acted directed and I wrote one of the pieces. Thank you all so much for being here. So at the start of the 2020 fall semester, a call went out from the department saying, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, we have had to scrap our entire production season. We are instead doing an experimental season of entirely devised work, and we're open to all suggestions and ideas. We want to explore the themes of diversity, equity, inclusion. How did all of you come to be involved in this particular project? They put out auditions for projects, and they said, hey, we really don't know what the projects are going to be or what's going on, but we're going to make it happen. So we all got cast in this audio anthology um, without knowing what it was. Um, And as we got to the first rehearsal, Derek sort of painted the picture of what he was thinking for the project. Um, And the really exciting thing, for me at least, was I think a lot of the times um, we're, we're getting handed scripts. So it was really exciting to be able to devise a piece of our own that talked about um, these sort of issues that we were passionate about personally. Oh, I love this leap of faith. So you weren't sure at all what you were getting involved with. But Derek said, we're going to read poetry around these topics. We're going to discuss them. You're going to write your own audio plays inspired by the poetry that we discover. I want to jump to Neil Monte because I was most fascinated to see that the poetry that inspired your play, Missing Link, was your own poetry. Can you Tell us about that process and how you arrived at that decision. So we looked at poetry as a group and we were to bring some poems back. Um, And I liked the poems, but I didn't connect with them. I didn't find anything personal uh, with the poems that I 
was looking at. And at first I was ensnared with this idea of I have to find a poem about love because that's where I am in life and that's something that a lot of people will connect to. And I found it to be a bit inauthentic. So I considered, well, what if I pulled a poem from my book? Well, my first book was terrible, in my opinion. I was very young when I wrote it um, and published it. Um, I wasn't even in high school yet. And it was, you know, it's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble still has it. Um, It's on the Kindle, but I didn't like it. So I went to my archives. I went to um, the second edition, or not the second edition, the second uh, part of the book. From the Mind of a Poet, Volume 2, which I never published. And I pulled those poems from there. Um, the poems there were more focused uh, because at that point I was writing from high school and my experience. And what turned out to be, and I didn't realize until revisiting that poem, is still my experience today. So... It was both um, an exciting process, but it was a personal process as well, because that meant that I had to go back and confront these things. I had to revisit these things to the degree that even writing the play for that became a bit uncomfortable for me, because I'm an introvert, and I'm not... I'm very private about a lot of things in my life. And that wasn't, um, that wasn't something that I thought I would speak about on a platform or anything like that. It's something that I always thought I would keep to myself. Oh, that's incredible. It sounds like an intensely autobiographical piece and the description of the play, um, says it addresses issues around ethnicity, identity, intimacy, community, uh, mental health, being a mixed-race person. And you also play the role of the student in the play, so you wrote it and you star in it. Is the character of the student you? Is it a heightened version of you? Or is it a, a whole separate person? I would say the character is absolutely me. Um, and not even a heightened version of, you know, of myself. The experiences that the character goes through are not made-up experiences. They are authentically and personally mine. Um, You know, I've experienced the exclusion and feeling disconnected from people for whatever reason, uh, race, gender, identity, sexual orientation, whatever, that's been my experience. Um, and I shared with the group as we were working on this that I found out that when my late grandfather died, I found out that I am also part Mexican and Puerto Rican. He was Mexican and Puerto Rican. I grew up, I didn't know this until he died. Um, and so when I went to join a fraternity, before I joined Delta Lambda Phi, I looked at, you know, fraternities and the Divine Nine, and I wasn't Black or masculine enough for them. And I looked at the Latino fraternities, and I was not Latino enough for them. 
because I don't look Latino. And so I've always found myself in spaces where I have to create a space for myself. So in that regard, I would say that the character is absolutely me, not a heightened version. It was Raleigh, me pouring myself out onto paper (laughs) or on my computer screen, if you will. Did you find that this project offered you any level of catharsis? I've thought about it today, even before meeting with you, and I found peace with a lot of things. And in my thinking of it, I realized, you know, I found these peace with things because I've used things like this to talk about them. And if I stay silent, I'm doing myself a disservice. I'm doing everyone else a disservice. And I am hurting myself by not talking about it. And so I am where I am. I have this piece. And it's more comfortable to talk about these things now because I've made a conscious choice. Nope, we're going to talk about this today. We're going to share this. Mm. Thank you for sharing your truth with us so that we might learn from it. Mary Claire, I'll jump to you now. Can you tell us a bit about your experience? So uh, as an English major, I've had an extensive background in poetry and just, you know, creative works like that. And so um, when I found out from Derek that this project was going to be all about writing plays based off of poetry, it really felt like a dream come true. Uh, As someone who wants to be a playwright, it felt like a fantastic opportunity. And to get to combine my passion for poetry um, with writing our own shows, it it was amazing. I was very excited. Um, And last year, I took a poetry class where we read dozens of poems. uh, And the one that stuck out to me the most was There Are Birds Here. As soon as I read it, it quickly became my favorite poem that I wrote about that I read in that course um, and probably my favorite poem that I've ever read. Uh, Something about it really hit home. The imagery is really exceptional in the poem itself, the story, the emotion. It really inspired me. And it was something that I knew I wanted to bring to the group once the opportunity arose. And so when we started actually bringing in the poems and talking about them and then writing the plays, I knew that I had to bring There Are Birds Here so I could share the story of that poem with the rest of the group. And even if I wasn't going to be the one to write a play about it, I wanted someone to be able to capture that story in the play setting so that there are birds here could be um, more widely recognized because not a lot of people have read that poem and the story behind it about Detroit and uh, the city and how the reputation that it gets impacts the people living there. Um, And so when I was given the opportunity to write the play, I felt very honored. I was very lucky to have that opportunity and it was a very emotional experience because at times I felt that I didn't, I shouldn't have been the one to write the play since I'm not from Detroit. I don't uh, share the same experiences as people who are from Detroit and the character in the play. Uh, But, you know, the group had very, a lot of faith in me. I felt very um, supported by the other cast members and everybody else in the creative team. And so I think that the ultimate goal of the play is to kind of just shine light on that story and on Detroit and I hope that I did the, po- the poem justice because it really, it really is an inspiration for me. Sam, your piece is entitled So Close Yet, and it was co-written with Cole Zubach. Uh, the topic was sex education and the inherent flaws within sex ed throughout the country. 
how did you arrive at that topic? I was just sort of popping around on YouTube. This wasn't a poem that I had known before, and I felt that it really captured the way that um, me and my friends were sort of feeling about the sex education that we had received in high school. My LGBTQ friends are often left out of the conversation, and I know that at my school specifically, they were told to not even answer questions about any sort of gay sex. So Cole and I sort of came up with this idea that our characters um, were going to be a college-aged gal who um, had gone to a private school and was given, you know, abstinence-based sexual education. And the other character was going to be a high school-aged girl, her cousin, um, who is a lesbian, and she is not receiving the sex ed she needs. Um, Their school does offer a... um, a LGBTQ friendly sex ed course, but you need a parent's signature. So, you know, the course is still offered, but there's still that barrier if you're not feeling comfortable coming out yet, or perhaps your parents aren't supportive of you. Um, So then, then it became, what do people do if they don't know what to do? They Google it. Why is there such a, a shameful, secretive stigma um, upon sex. You all wrote your plays, you all performed in your plays or someone else's plays or multiple pieces, but you also all directed a piece. What was that like? How does one direct an audio play or how is it different from directing a play on stage? For me, it was my first time directing anything. So I was very nervous. One of the really positive sides of directing just for audio just for a radio play is the amount of impact that a voice can have um just going off of sam and kayla's voice as they were doing so close yet you could really hear the emotion behind them the intention the um the way that they were able to showcase their characters personalities and struggles just through their voice I think it's something that can be overlooked in physical theater because we're so focused on where do my hands go and what am I holding and blocking and moving around the stage and just being able to concentrate on the voice, I think really was an advantage of these radio plays that we maybe wouldn't have uh, encountered otherwise. So that was kind of my experience with directing, was really bringing the voice to life. Yeah, uh, that was really well said, Mary Claire. I think um, something else that was interesting about this process was the casting. You know, uh, people got the opportunity to say, this is a role that I'm really excited about, that I identify with, which I found really exciting. The thing that I personally didn't realize when doing um, a radio show or an audio drama, if you will, was how important physicality still is to come through your voice. Put a coffee in your hand. I want you to eat. I want you to sip on something. And the more physical they got, the more that they weren't just sitting over their computers, the more animated they were and the better picture it painted overall. Um, And that's something that I, I never really would have thought about. I would have thought that if I'm just doing something over a computer, it doesn't matter if I'm smiling or if I'm doing the particular action, but really it makes a whole world of difference. 
you know, I had the same experience and, you know, I would agree with Mary Claire and Sam. Um, the physicality is important and it felt different. I wondered, how can I do this justice? And I took a focus of, I need to be able to feel this because we can't see this. <laughs> I need to feel and believe what you're saying. And so that was my direction to my cast. Pushing that feeling through to me meant that you had to stand up. That you had to yell to the top of your lungs. Um, I was very nervous. I didn't feel like I had the license to direct this. And I'm glad I did. And I'm glad I got the stamp of approval from the writer. One of the things I love most about the anthology is how beautifully it's been packaged um, for the audience. So again, everyone listening to this should jump over to theater.msu.edu forward slash D-E-I underscore A-U-D-I-O. And on that page, you'll find um, an introduction to the project, a documentary promotional short created by creative team member Kayla Katona that talks more about the process um, of putting this all together. And then you find each one of the um, the plays. Um, there's an audio version for you to listen to. Obviously, it's an audio anthology. But then you also get um, a description of each play, um, a link to the script if you want to read the play, um, and also links to additional resources that are related to the topics addressed in each play. Sam, what was the thought process behind all of these different components? these sort of DEI issues were things that affected our group, at least one person in our group, um, directly. So we were all very passionate about these sort of issues or circumstances. So we wanted to make sure that, you know, the community had resources where they could learn more, you know, where to reach out or where they could read more about something. Um, And then it was also very important to us that we are being adaptable. Um, So an audio anthology, of course, requires that you are able to listen. Um, So something that I proposed was having the scripts there as well, so that if you are not able to listen, you have a different outlet to consume the pieces that we created. Now that you've all seen and heard the finished product, and you're a few months removed from all of the work. What are some of the takeaways from this experience? How did you learn and grow as as artists through this experience? Getting to do this really taught me a lot about the Department of Theater, about, you know, playwriting and diversity, equity, and conclusion, but also really, we all kind of formed a bond, a kind of creative bond and passion for these topics. We kind of formed this community, this sense of togetherness in the issues that we were wanted to face and talk about and in our creative artistic uh, talents and capabilities. Everybody that took part in the project tried something new. So, you know, for Neil Monte, that was directing. For me, that was writing. I've never written a script before. And the fact that I was able to come in and say, okay, I've never written a script before. Here's the script I wrote. And all the people that had experience in that area would give me feedback um, in a super respectful manner that made me feel like I was so capable. It's just given me a confidence in myself to 
sort of get out of my comfort zone, get out of my bubble a little bit. I would say for me personally, my my biggest thing walking away from this was just allowing vulnerability to happen for me. Um, I am my biggest critic about everything that I do. And having a space, a community of people that, you know, I just, I told them right off the bat, I'm not a vulnerable person. I struggle with this. Um, And we discussed how I'm going to tackle that with this when it came down to me using my own poetry. And that has absolutely helped me and classes and other facets in my life going beyond this project. You know, even when I first presented my script, I was so nervous. I did not know how people would take it. I didn't think people would like it, uh, but to receive that validation and receive the feedback and all of that from Derek and my peers, it opened me up to so much. Thank you to the MSU College of Arts and Letters and Department of Theater Chairperson Stephen Benedetto for supporting this project. The opinions expressed on this program do not reflect official entities of Michigan State University. This has been In the Odd, a Michigan State University College of Arts and Letters podcast. You can access every episode of In the Odd at theater.msu.edu forward slash AUD. We'll be back soon with another behind-the-scenes look into what happens at 542 Auditorium Road in East Lansing, Michigan. Until then, wear a mask, wash your hands, stay six feet apart, and go green. Go Go white. white.